0: So, Birdo, uh, someone wrote in today and said that it's funny the way I always mispronounce your name. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to try to do it. So, you tell me. All right. Um, be- 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 That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> How about betto? Be- that's not good. Beto.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's one version of it. That's my nickname. My- um, Beto. That's not my familial nickname.
0: Umberto. There's like a role in there So
1: Yeah, the variants are Umberto. I I can't do that. I know, right? There's Berto, which is the, the, the British, the English version. Berto. There is my dad's Berto. Yeah. And there is my mom's side of the family, Beto. Beto 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 (laughs) So there's a You know A kaleidoscope A a rainbow of choices When it comes to naming me (laughs) Uh, So when you're This is part of the problem You know We're in some emergency situation You're chased You're being chased And you're about to call after me And You don't know what to say And so the bad guys get you
0: (laughs) So Berto Do you know what A culture bound syndrome is Culture bound syndrome
1: Culture-bound syndrome. Can you imagine what that would be? I don't think I've heard that, but I can imagine a few things. So I could imagine that you have been immersed in a culture for too long, and now you have a hard time changing to a different culture. Oh, interesting.
0: You're you're bound to a culture. Bound to a culture. (laughs) For too long. Okay, interesting. Well, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to do a semi-deep dive on this because patron – Famous patron, Lyndon, wrote in and, and said, I was fascinated to discover what run amok is not just uh, – let's see. I was fascinated to discover that run amok is not just an idiomatic phrase. It is also a psychological phenomenon specific to a particular culture. Whoa. Can you explore some of the culturally bound syndromes?
1: Oh, culturally bound syndromes. Yeah. I see. There are many, many, and they've been studied for a long time. So this is actually some sort of mental issue, but it's specific to a culture. Exactly. Whoa. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I looked up
0: a lot of the research, and I you know, gave it some thought and blah, blah, blah. So this is going to be a deep dive. What do you say, Berto? I love it. Welcome to the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor bound within mainstream American
1: culture. <laughs> and my name is Humberto Castañeda, or otherwise known as Humberto Castañeda, um, and I work at a local circus. Have you seen you? You saw Stranger Things too. Have you finished it? I did. did and when Dustin is doing the, <sighs> <sighs> oh yeah, <sighs> <sighs> wait, He's you can a do a the chewy. roll of the You Can't do it Chewy. <laughs> 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 By the way, episode seven was awesome. No, you hated it, right? I loved it. It was so. I, I was ready to hate it, but you know, I was really refreshed because I hate being in a consistent place and with a consistent tone. <laughs> yeah. I like when it breaks out. Yeah, like episode <laughs> one of Star Wars. It, it really was a completely different experience. Yeah, like that. That could you, have been. If I
0: hadn't set you up, do you think no. you would have liked it? No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Like
1: I was watching it with a friend, and uh, we were watching, and we didn't say a word because I didn't want to spoil the fact that this one might be a bad episode. Yeah. So the whole we you know we watched in silence, and at the end of the episode, I'm like so and he goes like so i'm like what like what were you gonna say i'm like well someone warned me what did you think of this episode oh no someone warned me of the episode (laughs) and we were both like oh yeah and then we just for like half hour we were just bashing it
0: (laughs) it was so bad
1: yeah um this
0: episode is just for patrons of the podcast so if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast yet this episode will end before all of the deep dive content begins if 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 my notes are any indication, it's probably about an hour and a half. If you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Join the 600 or so other patrons by going to patreon.com. When you become a patron, you get access to hundreds of patron-exclusive episodes in which we do deep dives into various topics. And when you become a patron, you don't have to listen to the vast majority of commercials that are on the main feed. And remember that a portion of your monthly pledge goes towards various charities that we support. Nice. All right. Welcome to the Patron Zone, everyone. Uh, January 27, 2018 is our live event, Antioch, Seattle, 3 o'clock. Go to the Facebook page to find out more specifics. But really, that's all you got to (laughs) know. Go to Antioch University, Seattle, 3 o'clock, January 27, 2018 it'll be for about an hour and a half maybe two hours then right afterwards at five o'clock we're gonna to go to jupiter bar which is a couple of blocks away and we'll have some drinks and play some so pinball fun yeah and we got berto's gonna sing do you know what song you're gonna sing it
1: i'm gonna uh, is there did you say there's a piano there uh no we could bring I one could bring one yeah oh, okay well that could change the, i mean i have
0: my keyboard <laughs> that's pretty light it's a 61 yeah
1: i'm going to sing a uh, Custom-made song. Okay. It's never Ooh. before been been uh, Like about psychology in Seattle? It's uh, very related, very apropos. That's awesome. <laughs> in fact, the word apropos features heavily. <laughs> <laughs> this apropos. song is apropos <laughs> of the situation.
0: <laughs> um, so famous patron Lennon, he just emailed me today and said he's flying out. And he's actually looking for places to stay, so he's you know he'll stay at a hotel or a hostel or something. And uh, we'll, we'll act this the, the podcast will actually pay for it, for him to uh, get set up for a couple nights. Does he
1: know how dangerous it is out here? <laughs>
0: yeah. And but you patrons out there, if you're in Seattle or the area and you wanna you help wanna you wanna help out. help a brother out, and famous patron Linden. You can, one, either pick him up from the airport because he kind of needs a ride, you know, to and from the airport. And two, he needs a place to stay for like right. f- four nights or something. And maybe like he could stay at a different person's house every w-
1: time. Wasn't this uh, Charlie Manson's M.O.
0: as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into it. All right, culture-bound syndrome. The definition is basically what you said. It's just psychological symptoms or dysfunctional behaviors with different expressions in different cultures, interesting or psychiatric or somatic symptoms that are acknowledged only in a specific culture hmm. and not acknowledged or see, or even seen in other cultures. Uh, there's a lot of terms for this, such as culture-bound syndromes, but also uh, ethnomedical syndrome, ethnomedical, ethnomedical, culture psychiatry. Comparative psychiatry, culture cultural psychiatry, medical anthropology, psychiatric anthropology, ethno psychiatry, cultural culture specific syndrome, culture bound reactive syndrome, exotic psychotic syndrome, exotic psychotic
1: syndrome. Exotic psychotic. That's
0: like good that's a good like uh <laughs> like metal band exotic psychotic. And the Exotic Psychotic. But you'd have to have at least one Asian in there, you know, to make it an exotic. <laughs> mass psychogenic illness, mass hysteria and epi- epidemic hysteria. So, as as anything in my field, we just no one can land on a on a one term, you know, it has sure. to be a billion terms.
1: Does okay. this like for example, would uh the Salem witch hunts?
0: Yeah. So we'll get into that. That's, that's right. a good that's a good example. So let's get into the history of the study of it, not necessarily the dis- – we'll get into it, We'll all talk right. about all the different disorders, but let's talk about the study of culture-bound syndromes. Going back to the 1700s and 1800s, philosophers like Rousseau and Mark, Karl Marx and Durkheim, they all pointed to culture as an important determinant of individual behavior. I mean, we didn't really have psychiatry or even psychology as we know it today. Sure. But the idea that culture would affect you and get into your skull was something that uh, was being talked about you know, p- post-Enlightenment uh, by, by uh, several philosophers. Skip forward to 1904 as, as psychiatry is getting off the ground. Emil K- K- Kaperlin, K- Krapelin? 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 I've never heard his name uh, <laughs> pronounced, but he's considered the father of modern psychiatry. And he found that he, – he developed a diagnostic system of a way of categorizing mm. psychiatric illnesses. And he found that when he went around the world, he, the ones that he developed in the Western world didn't actually apply. He went to Southeast Asia wow. and he's like, wow, my – I'm not you know – I'm getting a completely different set of mental illnesses in this area. Huh. He also talked to certain groups of Native Americans and found like, wait a second – you don't have the same set of disorders. You have a yeah. completely other set of disorders, seemingly. And he concluded that the cultural background of a patient needed to be considered when you doing a psychiatric evaluation. So he's a very early pioneer and very influential at the time, and yet among a lot of different things, and yet this particular issue was completely ignored. Wow. <laughs> like <laughs> even though he recognized this early, yeah, people were like, uh, "Yeah, a lot of the other stuff that Emil is saying is great, but that you know <laughs> that's kind of dumb."
1: So that Fre- probably means that, like uh, in the Harry Potter world, the non-Muggle world, they probably have a completely different set of mental illnesses. Exactly. Skipping forward a little bit to
0: Freud, he publishes in 1930 "Civilization and Its Discontents." He said that society was a major influence on individual psychopathology. He, he had sort of a, a proto idea about that whole thing. Uh, so, so you have the father of psychiatry, the father of psychoanalysis, wow. both acknowledging that culture is a major determinant of psychopathology, and yet everyone in the field completely dismissed it. It's such a powerful uh, force in our well, society to deny culture. You know
1: what was there counter hypothesis was it just you're born a certain way
0: yeah but also there's this temptation in our field that's been around since the beginning to make it seem like hard science and it's much harder to measure culture Mm -hmm. and plus if depression only exists in one particular culture and not another culture then it's not it's not a physical thing, right? Right. Broken bones don't exist in only one culture. Heart attacks don't only exist in one culture. Uh, you know, the gastrointestinal system doesn't exist in only one culture. But mm-hmm. what if psychiatric illness was something that existed in one culture and didn't in another? Therefore, your your science is not a universal science of humans. It's it's a it's a it's a study of society, right? Interesting. And so. There's a uh, a lot of uh, fear that we won't be taken seriously, and it's still going on today with the whole CBT uh, movement and the quote unquote evidence based therapy movement. There's just a lot of worry in my. You do you even know that there's worry in my in my field around this sort of thing? No, I'm not consciously aware of it. Right, because the average person doesn't really you know feel that, but. I mean, I've seen the terror in your eyes late at night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The funny thing is, is I've never, I've never worried about it because to me, it doesn't matter. I I don't need, I I don't need to make it a science. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People, when they come to uh, therapy or when I go to therapy, I I don't need, you know, scientists to tell me that it's helpful because I see. I know it's helpful.
1: (laughs) So it's sort of in in some regards like, um, Before there was any science to measure the effects of exercise, you could have had a situation where someone said, I'm not sure I should do what you're saying I should do because there's no proof of it. There's no science about it. But in either case, if you stay active, it turns out you're healthier. You know, and and in this case, well, we may not have the exact science for every little bit of it, or in fact, a lot of it. But it turns out if you talk, if you work through your issues, you stay healthier.
0: Um, Yes. And it's hard to measure healthier. Uh, A a, a different analogy might be, you know, what's the science behind going on a nature walk is a a good thing for you. You know what I mean? You if you if science came out and found that it doesn't actually help you like you know it doesn't it it doesn't lengthen your life or it doesn't improve your sleep or something right. which it probably does by the way <laughs> but let's say you know it, it science didn't find that uh, you know people would still go on nature walks yeah. people would still want to pick flowers they would still want a garden they would still want to you know go to the beach and stuff and so um that's the analogy I would give. Yeah. It's just like, it's how do you put, because when when people come to me, um, they are talking about very difficult things that they're going through and there's no way to measure the difficulty. You know, yeah. like like say your spouse cheats on you, okay? And you just found out about it and you're really upset and you don't know what to do. Well, then you come to me and you have an hour session, and then afterwards you're like, yes, that was worth it to me, because I talked about it, got some perspective, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do you measure scientifically, medically speaking, whether or not the quote-unquote treatment was worth it? Right. Well, you can't, because there's no symptom. You know, what's the symptom? One. Two, it's all self-report. <laughs> yeah. So you're just asking them, was it worth it? And they're like, yep, was worth it. You know, do you feel yeah. better? Yeah, I feel better. Okay. So – you know, but there's no... There's very few medical treatments like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, instead of, could we take a new x-ray
1: and see that your bone healed? Right, exactly.
0: Uh, skipping forward, ni- 1994. Uh, uh, so lots of... In the in the 70s and 80s and 90s, lots of push to, like, start talking about culture. There's sort of, like, beginnings of all that kind of stuff. dsm four comes out in 1994, and it includes culture-bound syndromes. So that's Mm. when we see that first um, phrase being like very held up among all the other ones. All
1: the way till the 90s. 94.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 2013 DSM-5, they actually abandoned the term culture-bound syndrome and instead said that really all forms of distress, whether it's in the DSM or not, are all culture-bound.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. They went full, full enchilada there. Well, they
0: don't, they don't, it's sort of a, a, a forgotten appendix where they talk about that. Oh, It's, no. it's not like in every chapter they oh, okay. discuss that, you know what I mean? So it might be worse, in fact. <laughs> well, to me, it's better because essentially in the dsm four, <clears throat> they were like, here are the real disorders, and then mm-hmm. here are the culture-bound ones. I
1: see. And oh, cu- yeah, okay. That's yeah. The,
0: yeah, and all the culture-bound ones it. were like in other countries, I that,
1: see. you know, uh, from the people who write the DSM, you know. So they're but called. That's, that, that was probably because of the grunge movement. Because they saw, like, oh whoa, if people are going to be this grungy in one particular part of the country, there's got to be such a thing as culturally bound disorders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a culture bound. You know, like
0: uh, uh, dancing in a mosh pit is <laughs> is a culture bound disorder. Um, now they're called culture concepts, cultural concepts, and and basically. Those are defined as things that don't really correspond to any diagnosis in the DSM five that exists, and they still have a list of these nine cultural concepts. But, oh. but anyway, um, so my definition, after reviewing all the liter or a lot of the literature, not all, dear God, but um, a lot of it, is is really there are two different kinds. Uh, there's two different kinds that seemingly are lumped into this category. <laughs> One is is disorders that seem to be only prevalent in particular cultures or mm-hmm. or drastic differences in prevalence uh, between different cultures. Okay. Um so that's one uh that's one type that I would say that you might label culture bound syndrome or okay. you know or uh, I don't know what label we put to it. Culture bound syndrome is probably fine. The other type is just different linguistic ways of describing different Symptoms, uh, categories oh, or okay. symptom clusters, you know what I mean? So, for instance, in Western culture, there's the, this debate even among Western psych- psychology people. It someone presents uh, with a set of, of symptoms, and some people will label it as schizophrenia, and other people will label it as bipolar with psychosis. Oh, okay. And they, and depending on, the opinion or the sort of bent of the assessor they will they'll just no nah, that's this is more schizophrenia to me no hmm. no nah, nah, this is more this is more bipolar with psychosis you know or schizoaffective versus bipolar with psychosis so so you know so if we extend that into the world one culture might label you know mm. these set of symptoms as depression or as someone else might kind of lump in anxiety to that because anxiety often goes along with depression
1: i see so in that case it's not that the the symptoms don't occur in the different cultures but they get labeled differently right and by not only by professionals of which
0: is sort of a western thing you know to some extent yeah. but by the common by the people, people you know okay. Um, also, uh, another example it, once we get into it is there's this, there's a culture bound syndrome or a culture concept called Suchi Bai in a, I can't remember where it is, but we'll get into it. And it looks a lot like OCD. Oh, so it's like, you know, is it just another name for uh-huh. the same issue? Okay. So let's get into some of these. So you mentioned the Salem. Uh, so let's get into that. Um that is what I would call a western culture because that that was that existed in the western right. world it was just a culture that existed 400 years ago.
1: So what do you know about the Salem witch trials and whatnot? Um I, let's see what I know is that there were it's there started to be accusations of um witchcraft but uh they weren't Founded on you know anything real, of course. But what ended up happening is that there was this paranoia that developed, where everyone started accusing everyone, and then, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, if it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. Clearly, if so many people are saying something is the case, then we must actually have witches, and then they were they went as far as like actually killing some of them <laughs> or many of them. Did, um, did you see happened. the movie Witch? It's, which the, the witch the witch came out 2016 which one
0: <clears throat> ah. no i did not um <clears throat> it it's it's really good actually it has um anya taylor joy she she was the girl in split the main oh. girl in split okay uh, if i remember right but uh, it's called the witch It's actually recommended by i think noelle she's always the one who recommends <laughs> movies and it's a extremely Excellent movie about about that that sort of riffs on this on this oh, idea. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and it feels very real, like it, like the costumes and the way they lived, oh. and the the cabin they live in, and and you really get a sense for what life was like in early colonial America, you like know? the
1: Blair Witch Project. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so yeah, you have most of it right, but. There's there's a bit to this in that uh, a bunch of people, particularly uh, girls and young women, exhibited very distinctive symptoms. Mm. It wasn't just like, "Oh, you're a witch," you know. It was it was a oh, yeah, it was a familiar. psychogenic illness that sort of spread through. Uh, the The population. There's speculation as to what it was. Like maybe it was a mushroom that people were eating, and it was giving people like hallucinations, or or like it, or is affecting the nervous system or something. Or it was like some kind of weird um, encephalop. What do you call like when the when your brain starts to swell? Oh, like
1: an edema in the brain or something. I don't know, but some
0: some kind of physical element that resulted in this uh, widespread psychiatric presentation. But there's also ideas that it was just it was just something. This is a culture-bound issue where, uh, you know, they psychogenic. So we have to explain psychogenic illness. We've talked about it before, yep. but basically, it if you if you if you're totally convinced of something, if you can completely convince your unconscious of something it will become true in your body essentially right so if you believe that you're that you can't walk or that you can't talk or that you can't see then you will become blind and you will become you know a paraplegic and you will become your your brain it's all it's all an unconscious process but you know there's several particularly in the past in the western society a lot of documented cases of this Mm. so i'm going to go through some sort of trauma and they're blind afterwards and they're not faking it. They're blind. They can't see. Yeah. And there's structurally, functionally nothing wrong with their visual system. Mm. And then through some kind of weird thing that happens, <laughs> suddenly they can see again. Right. Or mutism or blah, 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 you know, or they can't walk. And, and it, so, so if a certain symptom profile becomes known to a population your brain could, could unconsciously adopt those symptoms, such as, right. um, these were the symptoms, F- fits, fits in which people were crying, screaming, or moaning. Wow. Uh, like uncontrollable, right? Like they couldn't control it. Convulge, convulsing. Babbling incoherently.
1: Oh, speaking in tongues.
0: Staring at seemingly nothing making raucous noises, (laughs) making muffled noises. (laughs) Um, Uncontrolled jumping, (laughs) sudden movements and other symptoms. So barring some physical ailment like a mushroom that or some kind of virus that was going around, you know, it sounds like If like, if you and I wanted to look like we were one of the Salem witches, we could could probably do that. If we saw someone doing it, we could probably imitate it.
1: It's not like their heads were turning 360 degrees. right? It's not like they're floating.
0: Yeah. Or blood was shooting out of their eyeballs. (laughs) Right. It was just like something that you could fake, you know? Or something that your body could adopt psychogenically and and right. produce uh, unbeknownst to your conscious will. <clears throat>
1: so so that's the thought in terms of what uh, what happened. Eventually, that, that reminds me. Sorry, that reminds me of like the you know the big col- um, coliseum style revival things where they try to mm. cure people, yeah. and then people start sort of believing it, and they're like, "Oh, I I think I was cured," you know. Yeah, yeah. F- people will faint. Right.
0: People will. Uh, you know they'll be in pain for their whole life and then all of a sudden no more pain no more pain. It's real yeah. you know it's not fake it, it's real, but it's created through a psychological process. right uh, Eventually 19 girls and women were hanged as witches in Salem and over a hundred women were sent to prison. Uh, what other sort of culture bound syndrome do you know of? Do you know of well,
1: that? I actually know of something I don't know if, if this counts, but um I recently watched a documentary i, th- I might have talked to you about it uh, about uh the part of the Colombia uh in the north uh like in the coastal region of Colombia where um up until maybe even now or at the very least very recently, there was this cultural tradition of when boys became uh teenagers. Uh, they would have sex with donkeys, with the female donkeys, okay. to groom them into becoming good lovers. Okay, and uh, so basically, they were. It was a bestiality that was encouraged by the culture, um, and they speak about it without shame. So, yep, that's what we do. That's what happens. Uh, so, is that an example? What would happen if they didn't do it? With something bad. Well, out. they had they had the following kind of beliefs that if they didn't do it, their their penis wouldn't develop properly,
0: and would was that just and a belief would, or were they like, well, my penis is small because I did. not
1: That's a this. good question. I, they didn't show all these cases in the so, documentary, but they would say that that if they didn't do it, their penis wouldn't develop properly, and they would never be good lovers for women. Right.
0: So so it's getting into that category, but really, you know. Belief systems are abound in mm-hmm. in the world, right uh, People will say if you don't get baptized you're not going to heaven right, right. or if you don't have good feng shui in your house, you're not going to make money. you need fungus uh, in your house yeah and and so it's uh but if this a fellow in this area in Colombia were to not do this and then ten you know ten years later he's uh, unable to perform. And, yeah, he can't. He can't he get can't an get, erection, yeah. or he is terribly depressed about it, or something along those lines. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's it's getting it. That's so, so it's borderline. <laughs> the, well, such is the nature of this of this yeah. conversation because actually, some of these culture bound syndromes we're getting into might be a result of marginalization. You know, the the, the level of marginalization that exists outside of the Western society is so high for some people that you could imagine just giving up and saying, well, I guess I'll, you know, yeah, there was this crazy guy down the road. I guess I'm just going to do that for a while yeah, because I can't, I can't go on. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I I just, I give up and maybe they'll come and take me away to a hospital. You know, if I just act crazy, you know, maybe – Maybe something will happen for me, you know, so there's discussion around that, you know, but we'll get into it. Um, So one that actually happens in Latin countries is called ataque de nervios. Ataque de nervios. Okay. That. A nerve attack. (laughs) And the symptoms are uncontrollable shouting or crying, verbal and physical aggression, Heat in the chest, rising to the head, which I find to be very specific. Feeling a loss of control and occasional amnesia. Um, so, wow! Yeah. So the amnesia is the weird one. Uh, they did a study in Chiapas, Mexico, and they found that a third of adults report having. How do you say it? Ataque de nervios. And uh, and but to me, well, what does this
1: sound like? So, uh, aggression. Panic attack. Yeah. Oh wait, but the, well, except for the amnesia. The <laughs> but you know, I don't remember ever having an ataque de nervios. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uncontrollable shouting and crying. I mean,
0: you could imagine just being like, ah, "I'm freaking out." I mean, it sounds like you're having a freak out. Verbal ag- aggression. Yeah. You know, you're just like you're you're panicking. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to me like panic disorder or even PTSD. Like when you're triggered, you might kind of lash out. Uh, dissociation. I mean, it hmm. it definitely. I would have to talk to someone going through this to not be to to have and I'd have to really be convinced it wasn't PTSD because it really sounds like PTSD.
1: You, you know I I I did hear that term growing up but I, I never I never thought it was like that or never did I see or experience that. Really? Meaning I like when I think like ooh, un ataque de nervios I I remember that's an expression. Oh. But I I guess I would have associated it with more like a panic attack but Without some of those other descriptions, like the, the oh, oh, God, oh, what's happening? Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So,
0: according to these researchers, there are, I'm guessing, medical professionals mm. or even, you know, the few psychologists in Colombia Well, they actually have, a, you know, they wow. actually use this as a diagnosis. Incredible. Or, I don't know exactly, but, but it's been around for a long time, a long, long enough to be included in the
1: DSM. Like, I definitely remember um uh, there was this sort of reaction when there were bad news or the threat of bad news and especially some of the abuelitas, the, the grandmas, would, would do stuff like, Ay, bendito Dios. Ay, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, oh, my Lord. Oh, no, no, no. You know, like, it'd be a very panicked sort of, but almost like acted out in a way, like exaggerated. Interesting. And like, "Oh, bendito Dios. Oh, no, 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 no. Like that. Interesting. That I do remember. Yeah. And it was all about something
0: I was doing at the time. Right. <laughs> and to be clear, if I was, if we were psychology in Colombia, and I heard about PTSD, I might say,
1: oh, that sounds like... (laughs) Yeah, sure. How'd you say? Ataque de nervios. (laughs) (laughs) Yet Um, I can't do Chewbacca.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm not saying PTSD is the real one and Attack of the Nerves is...
1: (laughs) Attack of the Nerves. That's a movie we got (laughs) to (laughs) make.
0: I'm not saying Attack of the Nerves is wrong. I'm just saying it's a different linguistic... Um, uh-huh. label, you know, for instance, um, you know, uh, people often, whenever I go to Japanese restaurants with, you know, non-Japanese people like yourself, uh-huh. um, there's certain words that I hear where I'm like, you're, you're using the word wrong. You know, like you say,
1: kamikaze. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you say um, udon, you know udon. udon. Yeah, I'll have some udon. Yeah, or or futon, for instance. it down on the futon. Well, even my name Honda. That's not how you pronounce it. It's Honda. F- Honda. So,
1: it's, futon, it's futon. It's 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 udon. Because it's very Latin sounding vowels, which yeah. is very odd. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: no. Japanese and Latin and Spanish are very compatible. Yeah, yeah. It's simpatico. actually yeah. <laughs> like the 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 vowel sounds are I think are identical. Not simpatico. Yeah, simpatico. And so, um, or other things like when people w- they don't really know what sashimi exactly means, or they don't even really know what sushi means. You know what I mean? Uh, and and so. But that's fine. It's just a different way of categorizing something. You know, it's just a right. different linguistic word. There's no right or wrong. Uh, you know, it's just language changes and people yeah. adopt different words. And and so the fact that the DSM emerged out of the Western world doesn't mean it's the right, legu- <laughs> right. linguistic system. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> so when when uh, I was a kid, they were playing *Shogun* the miniseries with uh, yeah, Dan. What was it? Uh, Chamber uh, Richard Chamberlain. Richard Chamberlain. Yeah. And it was very embarrassing to watch because his girlfriend, his Japanese girlfriend or the love interest, her name was Mariko. What does that mean? Well, Marika is a slang, it's a derogatory, well, it used to be, I don't know what it, how it is used today, but it is a derogatory gay, it's, oh. it's a derogatory ter- term for gay. And so, like, if you want it to be, which in, sadly, in the my, 80s we what were. What would Mariko mean? Well, it wasn't exactly right because there wasn't a male and a feminine of the word. It was just marica, and then that would be an insult. Uh, so, but whenever they would say marico, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, as a kid, it's very immature. So you're like (laughs) both laughing and also kind of in horror because your parents are in the room. (laughs) (laughs) So amok, we talked about running
0: amok. What, What does this mean to you when you hear that?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a great question because I've certainly known the expression forever. Run amok. Okay. Well, so it means like, you know, a bull in the China shop, like out of control, just like lay waste to something. Um, but, but I don't know what it means. What's amok? Where, where in the world do you think it comes from? Run amok. Well, not run, but just amok. Run amok. Um, I don't know. Just run
0: amok is a, is a, is a Western, is a, American phrase a muck is is the main phrase.
1: Okay, I'm going to go with Eastern Europe.
0: Nope, Southeast Asia and the Philippines. A lot of the things we're going to be talking about come from Southeast Asia.
1: Is a muck a type of animal?
0: No, uh, it derives from the Malaysian word muck, that refers to making a furious and desperate attack. Oh, oh, so you run a muck? Yeah, you're 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 well. So. It's defined as sudden and short-lived outburst of explosive and assaultive violence preceded by a period of social withdrawal and apathy.
1: But is it like you're running a muck? No, it's one word, a muck. A muck. Yeah, okay.
0: A muck is one word. So when you when you do menga muck or a muck, it's it's you have a sudden freak out and you you just start like, you know, Stabbing people or pushing people down or punching people in the that face. Sounds like
1: ataque de nervios on acid,
0: <laughs> and then <laughs> and then after that you you become very sad and and depressed oh. and ap, you know apathetic, which um, is
1: not usually associated with the run amok expression. Right, run amok in the you United know, States just means like man, he just ran amok of the whole conference and right. destroyed the booths well and, it's
0: usually figuratively used yeah. you know like like man that people in that meeting they're running amuck with yeah. that idea you know yeah. what i mean so anyway what what does this sound like in our lingo in terms of a, a dsm diagnosis that corresponds with it
1: oh uh when so they go into a burst and then later they're apologizing well yeah, yeah and they're very withdrawn and sad. maybe bipolar
0: Right, could be bipolar. It doesn't. I mean, it's not quintessential bipolar, but it it could. Borderline. It like if if someone had bipolar, um, uh, I could see someone exhibiting that behavior. Maybe then maybe not so suddenly or something. But right, it's it's more it's it's more indicative of PTSD.
1: <laughs> oh, PTSD. Okay.
0: So you know you were yeah, in a war, yeah, and your family was killed, right? And then by, by you, some people running amok. By you know somebody, and then you're walking down the street, and you have a flashback, and you know you yeah. freak out, and you and you just start you know you panic, right, and then you attack, and and then you have the corresponding depression that follows PTSD episodes. You know, um, also it also just kind of sounds like just like criminal behavior, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just like you're you're just being frustrated, you're being yeah. you're you're a dick, and you decide you're gonna go crazy and then later on you say oh it was a muck you know yeah. it, I, I wasn't drunk and trying to punch that guy who insulted me i, I was, was just running him i was just running him <laughs> so now again i don't want to make fun of it because i don't i don't know I, I don't have case studies in front of me but but um again <laughs> trying to figure out how i would look at it if i saw it i'm just trying to put it in my language doesn't deny the amuck language. It's just, right.
1: how do I figure this in my linguistic system? It's interesting how words, once you learn to use them and enough time goes by, they sort of develop their own personality in your head. And so when I hear run amok, it, even though amok by itself doesn't have any meaning, in my head I definitely picture like... Oh, he was running amok, you know, like just all over, you know, like it means something even though technically doesn't, I didn't know this definition, you know. Right. I
0: mean, <laughs> well, it's a different language to yeah. some extent. I mean, like boondocks, for instance, you know, that's a right. Filipino word and
1: um, anyway, or like uh, a boondoggle. Like,
0: boondoggle. I don't
1: technically know where, where that comes from, but I get it. Yeah. It's a boondoggle. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> Um,
0: also, uh, from Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Lata. The symptoms are extreme startle response, which sounds like PTSD to me, dissociation, which sounds like another trauma reaction, um, imitating other people. This is weird. Imitating other people? Yeah. Is this weird? Involuntary imitation of other people. So, like, you're on the street and someone is talking and you. Have a compulsion, or you just cannot help but to repeat their words or cannot
1: help but to repeat their words or their movements or their movements. Yeah,
0: um, extreme suggestibility or obedience, uh, violent body movements that Hmm. seem out of their control. So, this one seems legitimately weird, you know. Yeah,
1: I I, I don't think there's an,
0: yeah, an equivalent. I mean, have you ever heard of a mental disorder in which it's called echopraxia or echolalia when you? You just meaning, meaninglessly repeat other people's yeah, actions. My little brother, <laughs> <laughs>
1: when we were younger,
0: <laughs> um, and it's observed interestingly in middle-aged women. So oh. <laughs> so in Malaysia okay. and Indonesia. So you got to wonder, okay, That's what is odd. what's that? Is there a gender politics yeah. thing happening there? You know, okay. Um, also, in India, you have dot. The symptoms uh, are, are white discoloration of the urine, which is misinterpreted as semen loss. Hmm. So, so this is one of those things where uh, it's, it's, it's an actual physical thing that's probably happening. Mm-hmm. And they think it could be like high oxalate or high phosphate content in the urine just for some dietary reason. And it, and it makes your pee look white. Oh, okay. Which would be weird. And it's dot? Yeah, dot, which logically you would say is, oh, maybe there's some semen in there. You know what I mean? Because that's the the other thing that comes out of this hole, and it's white. (laughs) And so, but it's actually some other kind of condition. And what ends up happening is people in India who suffer from this, they fall into a depression, they get anxious, they have somatic symptoms, they they have sexual problems. But to me, what this sounds like, just on the little bit of reading I did, is it just sounds like. A misinterpretation of an actual medical condition, in which, it be, and because of that misinterpretation, it freaks, it, it freaks you out. Okay, you know what I mean. So,
1: so, th- so actually, the 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 symptoms you end up developing are probably very similar to the same symptoms we would develop if we think we're, you know, sick on have in some way. like having a tapeworm or something. yeah, like having a, like what well, some ridiculous notion like that. <laughs> By the way, what about like the vapors? You know in western yeah. society where p- women would faint because they would have their, their corset or corsage whatever right so and that's a corsage. real medical problem <laughs> corsage
0: <laughs> in terms of uh, you uh, you are restricting the ability to, of your lungs to take in enough oxygen but then and, it develops into this like and oh, it develops into it and you have a symptom got the vapors. where you're high you know you yeah. you're, you're lightheaded or you faint easily and They look for reasons for that because they don't really understand how oxygen and the, and the, you know, and women are seen as weak anyway.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know where
0: the vapors come from, but I I do know that they used to believe that vapors coming from swamps would, um, this is before they understood germs and everything, that vapors coming from swamps would actually make you sick.
1: Which is not a bad guess, right? It's like, don't go in a swamp because it's probably full of, but you don't know what it's full of. So it's just full of vapors. Well, uh, it's completely false because swamps
0: have no. There's no like human viruses. You know what I mean. Like the flu
1: doesn't exist in a swamp. Oh no! no, 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 no I mean not. To I mean get a into, swamp. You could I, I mean, suppose drown. Flies. But, there's uh, all sorts. Of, there could be decomposing animal bodies. There could be any number of things. That,
0: uh, yeah, but but the amount of the amount of things that were threatening humans in cities was mm-hmm. like far greater than a swamp in nature. What about a
1: crocodile.
0: <laughs> Another one is called is generally called genital shrinking, um, in West African countries. Wait, and, there is genital shrinking. Yeah, in West African countries In China and Southeast Asia, it's also called coro or genital reaction retraction syndrome, genital rich. So, so in two different cultural regions, okay, of Western Africa and then Southeast Asia, you have a very similar syndrome, which okay. which raises a question of. Wait, so if if these very, you know, if these cultures that don't have much connection to each uh-huh. other have a very similar psychiatric issue, does that mean that it's more universal and than, it just doesn't manifest
1: as much and it something? just
0: doesn't manifest in yeah. in western culture for whatever reason, you yeah.
1: But but what what is it? So they they what So it's
0: sleeping? different in different cultures, but in West Africa, it's it's believed that someone can actually steal or alter your your genitalia, your penis, your breast, or even your vagina. What? So so so. For instance, a Ghana newspaper reported a case of a 17 year old boy who claimed that someone came up behind him while he was getting water, touched him, and he felt his penis shrink until <gasps> it was no longer visible, it just disappeared. Yikes! So, uh, or women will say some stranger cast a spell on me, essentially, and my vagina closed over. And this isn't like a, like, yeah, I think my penis disappeared. You know, they're convinced. Yeah. You know? And what ends up happening is there's this, you know, because of misunderstanding and the way the quote unquote justice system works in some, in some of these societies is a mob will form and they'll just go find who they believe to be the perpetrator. Oh of this my God. And beat and kill them. Oh. So, so there, so for example, in 1997, there was an outbreak in Ghana around this kind of issue. And there were in the, in the, in the newspapers reported eight people who were killed.
1: Oh no. Uh,
0: S- Senegal, similar eight deaths one year, <sighs> Nigeria in 2001, 14 deaths, uh, in in other West African countries. That death.
1: sounds so similar to the Salem thing we were talking about.
0: Right. So this is just the reported cases one. Yeah. And they're only the deaths. Oh. They're only the reported deaths. So uh, how about all the people who get beat almost yeah. to death or like you know very badly beat? And then
1: probably ostracized after that.
0: Right. So it, it's a, it's not just a casual mental disorder that, you know, it has like consequences oh on people's lives. Um, and in, in, in China and Southeast Asia, it's, it's not, there's not so much mob justice, but there is a belief that um, it, 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 it's, I don't know if that one has to do with other people taking your penis away, but there's people who will say they believe their penis has disappeared. You <laughs> know what I mean? So um, now this one is a legitimate culture bound syndrome. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Salem witch trial you say, yeah. right? It's a, a culture psychogenic issue. You know what I mean? Yeah, that it seems like, a, because have you ever heard of such a case in North no, America no. Of, or South America? Well, right. I don't know, other countries, but not you never in heard Colombia. of it. But in, in, you know, in Af- West Africa, it's such a common understanding that this could happen to you, oh that, that all you have to do in some communities is come when you're coming back from the river, all you have to do is say, that guy over there just did a you know a thing to me. Yeah. He took my penis and then a model for him and they go kill the guy. They don't even check to see if his penis is gone, wow. which it obvious is not obviously has not gone away. And as soon as they kill the guy, then the penis comes back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so so it's a gen- so if you stopped that kid, that 17-year-old kid and, and said, Wait, 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 you know, what happened? That guy, he took my penis. How sure are you that your penis is gone? That'd be like hundred percent, hundred percent sure, right? You know, and it's so you know contrary to evidence, right? It's it's wow. a it's a it's a psychogenic temporary delusion essentially yeah. that other that society buys into, you know, because I doubt that some kid is like, um, I want to go kill that guy or something. But which raises a whole other question. Maybe that's it, right? Maybe the kid had a minor homosexual experience with a guy and he doesn't want the guy to, you know, like, and he just, you know, who knows
1: what is happening. But I suspect that people legitimately believe in it is the thing. Whereas here in Western culture, we developed the notion that you can detach your penis. Detachable penis. Mm. Um,
0: So, yeah, so it's very interesting. Two different distinct cultures have a socially constructed – dilute uh construct an right. idea that gets under the skin under the skull <laughs> into your brain yeah and you are a hundred percent convinced of these events right
1: it's incredible
0: yeah it makes you wonder what we're being convinced of in ours <laughs> uh in thailand you have Phi pob the belief that you're possessed by a spirit there's a bunch of random symptoms of that
1: Oh hey well there's all the exorcism stuff.
0: Yeah. Right. So now with those ones you know some of the people will actually think they're possessed and they act weird. Yeah. Right? Or they're just legitimately delusional or yeah. sick, you know. And they'll
1: think they're possessed by demons. And then someone else looks yeah.
0: at them and goes that person's possessed by demons. Um, pissu in Sri Lanka is symptoms uh, burning sensation in the stomach, coldness in the body, hallucinations, and dissociation? Um, to me, it sounds like an actual stomach problem, <laughs> or a fever, or even like anxiety or PTSD. I mean, Western society we, we 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 barely started recognizing PTSD recently, right? And and it is a and it makes total sense that humans across the globe would, when traumatized, a percentage of them would have PTSD yeah. later. And it would be a very confusing thing to people, right? It's like, well, a town went through a terrible trauma. How come only like, you know, five or 10% of them are having all these terrible, weird symptoms like years later, you know, mm-hmm. di- seemingly disconnected from the trauma. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not an easy um, thing to draw conclusions
1: around, you know? Right. You know? Anyway, There's uh, there's one thing, I remember in Bogota growing up, uh, the older folks every now and then would say, Uy, me cogió un escalofrío. And I don't know how casual... are cold? <laughs> me cogió is uh, grabbed me. So uh, a cold uh, escalofrío is like a cold rush or a cold syndrome, if you <laughs> will, grabbed me. Huh. Um, and so I think it was meant in different in different ways by, by different people, depending on how they were saying it. But sometimes it did... It was the implication was like something actually came from the outside, a cold wind, and took root in them, and for some amount of time, and then that would lead to either illness or, yeah, normally it'd be like, oh, you know, they might get sick from that. So, me coguiones un escalofrío, which probably just means they just got cold for a little bit, right? But but there was this implication, like it was something gripping you and and not leaving your body, mm. which was interesting.
0: So in uh, Bengal and India, especially Hindu widows, uh, you have Suchi Bai. The symptoms are excessive concerns of cleanliness. Washes the money. You wash your money because you're worried huh? about it being dirty. You oh. you hop while walking to avoid dirt because dirt, OCD. Right. It's, you wash your furniture and you remained immersed in holy holy water. Um, right, it sounds exactly like OCD, yeah. and especially with Hindu widows, you would think that you know you're worried about dying because your spouse died. You know,
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told this on the podcast before, but when I was a kid, I would uh, love to hop from tile to tile because it's fun. You know, like oh, yeah. and avoid cracks. You're just like, boom, jump, jump. And one time, I'm walking along with my dad, and my dad gets so pissed
0: because he thought you're being super sisters?
1: Yeah, he's like. Stop that. And I'm like, what? It's like, y- why are you being superstitious? And I'm like, super, what? Yeah. Well, I know about this. I know about this thing. And, and, and I, first of all, I had never heard of the saying. Plus, it wasn't a saying in Colombia. It was a saying here. Hmm. The whole break your mother's back thing. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I know about the, you can break your mother's back. And, and he says that. And I'm like, my brick the what? Yeah, and so I'm like, no, I was just jumping the, and he he was like, he wouldn't have it. He he was sure I was being <laughs> mentally manipulated. So to be clear, I'm not saying that
0: Suchi Bai should be labeled OCD. My the tone probably comes across that way. What I'm OCD. saying is, yeah, I'm saying oh stupid Indians. <laughs> this is just that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it it. Isn't it interesting that in another culture they have something, and it, it's more specific to that because it's 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 specific to cleaning things. You know yeah. what I mean? Because OCD is bigger than that in our linguistic system. Anyway, so another Latin uh, disorder is called susto or ah. es- espanto.
1: Sí, el espanto. What's that? Uh, the espanto is uh, like a scare, a big scare. Okay. So the symptoms are a
0: strong sense of fear that one has lost their soul, and it results in anorexia, weight loss, fatigue, untidiness, and withdrawal. Oh, that's very extreme. I never saw that. Yeah, or or a combination of those or something. Again, a study in Chiapas, Mexico found that 59% of adults and 48% of children experience some symptoms of susto.
1: Wow, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so my... My recollection was, again, a lot of these things are because of uh, this m- mystical superstition mixed in with the Catholic religion, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, it'd be like, you know, a black cat. Me cojó un espanto. You should ask your dad about these because he
0: probably knows about them.
1: Oh that could be although I mean, he he's was so like, right but he probably would be so dismissive of any of it <laughs> but if he just if he knew of sure. Sustor yeah, yeah, I should attack ask. of the nerves well yeah. actually he was obviously very well aware cuz he accused me of <laughs> superstition but uh but but it was more like the again the grandmas would see something and be like espanto! <gasps> you know but I, I i don't i didn't know about the whole like my soul has left me well i guess
0: something. you could also just ask your other relatives you know about, yeah. you know next uh, in Japan, you have taijin, Q The symptoms are intense fear of interpersonal relations and belief that body parts uh, give off offensive odor, odors and displease huh. other people. What does this sound like in Western culture?
1: Well, that also sounds a little... Uh, wait, so they, they don't want to touch, right? No, in, uh, intense fear of interpersonal relations. or, or of inter- so interpersonal relations. of, of,
0: of uh, you know interacting with other people i
1: mean extreme introversion or something or uh i, I don't know social anxiety oh duh. okay social anxiety
0: okay. introverted people are, are not are afraid not, of talking to people are not right in the
1: head i get it yeah <laughs> okay so so social anxiety right so
0: again because japan comes from a different linguistic system you know I it's see. Different. another japanese thing uh hikikomori is a have you heard of it before Nah, nah you you know of it it's a I growing think. syndrome am, uh, among young men in Japan
1: oh where is it? Is this where they have uh, a predilection for like <laughs> underwear and stuff like that or? <laughs> that's something else oh, okay. uh, it's it's when guys will lock themselves
0: in their apartment in Tokyo and never come out oh essentially so the ready player one syndrome yeah uh, well, I don't know the plot of that. Oh, okay, well, se, he's but. a
1: gamer, and he's always he's locked in. So yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but this is before video games were really huge. Oh, anyway, so
1: I don't think I knew about this.
0: Yeah, it's it's this it's this kind of epidemic in Japan because um, a lot of family members are just really concerned about certain guys who will they they they, they you know they. They go into adulthood. They don't have any friends. I see. They get an apartment and they they buy. They start collecting. You know, mm. they they get obsessed with collecting things. Do and they in become Japan, hoarders, all, as well? or hoarders as well?
1: What hoarders as well?
0: I wouldn't say hoarding, but okay. They just become like micro interested in one particular anime girl of some sort. You know? I see. And they buy all the pillows and the <laughs> figures and that. And they just never they never leave their apartment and they 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 don't interact with. What anybody. do they do for money? Um, they might have a job, but they don't. They, they don't go to the work. They come home. Yeah, and that's, that's it. it. Yeah, and it's just this growing concern. Yeah, you know? um, because J- Japan, they're experiencing. You know, if tr- if current trends continue, there will be no more Japanese people on the planet eventually, Yikes. or there'll be so few. Yeah, that you know it'll be like a white tiger or something. You know what I mean? They'll be like these very rare individuals. Cause
1: they're not re- reproducing. Yeah. Or, they're not. Yeah. And,
0: and part of the problem is these, um, is these guys who just don't, or aren't interested in interacting with anybody, let alone, you know, a romantic partner of some kind.
1: Does that mean that there's a lot of Japanese ladies
0: looking for love? So there's that, but women in Japan have a similar attitude uh, around like, you know, um, now there's plenty of Japanese people who are very recognizable to mainstream suburban America in terms of like they want sure. to get married, they want to have a, a brood of kids and, sure. and they do
1: but just an alarming percentage. But there's a
0: but there's a rising percentage of young people who just they're just like what's the point in getting married? Yeah. And what's the point in having kids? And that sounds like a hassle.
1: So interestingly I, I think there's a contingent of uh, lonely single males in this country that are heading in that direction too. Right, right. So it, it
0: makes some sense in terms of one, um, as society creates freedom, essentially. Yeah. Because, you know, 100 years ago... That was not an option. <laughs> it wasn't an option for a number of reasons. Right. Um, well, go back 200 years ago, you wouldn't be able to survive because you <laughs> needed kids to work on the farm. right. And uh, without that, you 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 would starve. You know, you, right. you and your wife, or you by yourself in a farm, you you would starve to death. There's there's right. too much work to do.
1: And in many cultures, you would have been promised from birth, right? And it would <laughs> be so
0: culturally like yeah. frowned upon that you know people might even lynch you or something because <laughs> right. you know. Um, but uh, it's just
1: funny. It's funny to lynch people. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and. So there's that but um, so as we have more freedom one and then two as entertainment essentially becomes so readily available oh, right. in your in your bedroom <laughs> you know you get you get all the sex you want you get all the porn you want you know not right. sex sex with the people but y- you have access to just an endless Tidal wave of porn, you know.
1: That's right. Because locking yourself in your room used to be a lot more boring. <laughs> right,
0: right. So, so up until I don't know, I would say even just like ten years ago, uh, yeah. you know, I remember when the internet first came around, the late '90s, early aughts. I remember like you could exhaust the internet in maybe like four hours. Yeah, you know, you you could probably go to. You know, a majority of the viewable websites... I remember... I've probably told this story before, but I remember late 90s, early aughts, a friend of mine, Chris Glover, you know, Chris yeah. Glover, he emailed me, or he wouldn't have emailed me, he probably just told me. He's like, you got to go to this one website. It's really cool. <laughs> and it was about Lady Die. Oh. And it, the whole website... By today's standards, the website was ridiculous. <laughs> but it was like... It had like an interesting... Like kind story of story or something. yeah like yeah. about lady die and <laughs> and it was and it had updates or something on it and oh gosh <laughs> and it was like whoa cool and i don't give a crap about lady die <laughs> you know what i mean this is before she even yeah, yeah. passed away i think right and so it was just like, who cares about royalty? I don't know. But I would go to that site like every now and then because right. it was one of the only
1: sites that had anything worth going to. You know, I had a roommate in college for for a couple of years, but uh, when we first, <laughs> you know, we first got internet in the apartment and stuff, and I remember him telling me one day like, oh man, I've been downloading porn nonstop, and I was like, what? Because when I tried to download a single picture. It was so annoying, right? Because it would go like line by line. Do you remember this? Yeah. Downloading on your little modem is like line, line. So I couldn't imagine, but the guy was so hungry for it that he would just sit there and wait and wait yeah, yeah. and wait. Yeah. So, so
0: um because Japan and Sweden are always like you know a few steps ahead of what, you know America in terms of uh-huh. technology and social movements and stuff.
1: Well, they're also, the day starts sooner there, so it's not surprising. True.
0: Um, and, uh, that's a good joke, actually. <laughs> um, complicated in some ways. Um, and, actually, uh, as I saw, I think I'd read it today, that Japan, when they pull people around the world, would you be willing to die for your country or uh-huh. go to, or fight for your country? I think mm-hmm. that was it. Would you be willing to fight, you know, in war for your country? Japan had the lowest percentage at like 11, oh, really? 11% or something. Oh, wow. Americans, it's got to be like...
1: 99%!
0: Well, probably like 75 or something. Sure. Or, you know, And so that's where we're headed. We're heading toward a, a world in which um, it, it's safe enough that you don't have to worry about invasion of other people and uh, there's enough good information around where you don't have to um, have huge nationalistic notions and identities and stuff. And, and so Japan, um, in a lot of ways, you know, the things we're seeing in our society, we're just like, well, that's where we're headed. You know, the more education you get, the more affluent you get, the more options you have, the less and less people have kids. Hmm. Less and less people have any kids. And then of the kids they have, it's less, you know? Yeah. Um, but also another thing that I think is true in Japan that's happening right now is Japan's culture, the way that you raise kids and the way that you interact with people, particularly men, is very hands off. You know, it's it's very like you know how we have notions around like independence and you have to be strong right. and emotions are bad and men don't cry well Japan has that in spades. Mm. And the you know like whenever you watch a Japanese hero like th- th- you know think of a Japanese yes. hero stoic. Yeah, he's always like the most beyond sto- he's more stoic than Spock and Data. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's like he sometimes they don't even talk. You know they they just sort of their hair is in front of their eyes uh, in, in the anime, you know. Yeah. And, and they just like hmm. You know, oh. and then and then they kill everyone, right? And no reaction, no. You know? And so they're beyond psychopaths, <laughs> right? And so there's this, there's they hold up, you know, this stoicism. And so what happens to a lot of these young men is they don't really have any option in terms of being able to meet their needs. And so they they they're humans just like us, right? And so they want love and they want attachment and they want all it's these things. Fun. Plus, you add on like all this pressure to be. Like really good in in business and career, you know, be very successful oh right and and some guys they just go like, "Why try you know like I'm gonna fail and and what's the point yeah and, and so they're just like, it's so much easier to just wall myself off from society and sit in this room
1: because they know? get enough comfort right if they, if it was really uncomfortable, they would probably it would be motivated exactly um, and they have a bunch of
0: Wilson's around with all the anime pillows, you know. <laughs> Uh, Native American, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but, I, well, I wish I will try. well try. Uka Marinek, symptoms are disturbed sleep, sleep paralysis, associative episodes, and occasional hallucinations. Um, in my lingo, that sounds like dissociation and trauma. Okay, so what about in other, uh, in Western culture, what about other culture-bound symptoms, syndromes that might be present in our culture that someone in another culture would come to America, And they'd be like, oh, it's interesting that they have this weird thing in their society besides the Salem witch trials. Right.
1: So I'm going to mention one that is probably super controversial and I don't know. But anyways. Being a Republican? I know. I was going to say. Sorry to all my Republican listeners out there. (laughs) Obsession with guns is an interesting one because uh, growing up in a very, 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 very violent country. I never experienced a gun-obsessed, like, yeah. culture when I was growing up. Yeah. Even though, um, you know, there were certainly more murders, more things and stuff like that uh, as a result of the drug wars and the political instability. But but there wasn't this, like, oh, guns, where can I get a gun? Oh, I want to go shoot, right? And that's something that, as I've lived here, I'm like, wow, why are people so obsessed right. with guns? right uh,
0: Barring the political nature of this if a West African psychiatrist came to United States and studied the people, they'd be like, there's a small subset of people who, when you even suggest that there might be some law passed that could, um, you know, slightly limit (laughs) their access to guns of which they already have 20. So why are they worried? Um, they experience extreme rage. Extreme. They're very motivated, and they become. Yeah. They can become very anxious. Yeah, anxious and angry, absolutely. And they start. They start literally lying awake at night, yep. w- w- worrying that the ATF is going to bust in their and door and
1: stockpiling the very next day, and, right? Yeah.
0: And so, um, so from their perspective, they're like, "This person is delusional, and they're suffering, and it doesn't make any sense." Right. So,
1: so yeah, you you know. I didn't hear, I didn't see that in the literature, but you there could absolutely could come up with that. And right? then another one that I th- was thinking about was uh, these. I guess I was going to say serial killers, but uh, one thing that I realized was that there might very well be a lot of serial killers across the world, and you just don't know about it because it's easier to kill in other less uh, public well, cultures. Well, right. So, like so
0: again, so someone from another culture come could come to the U.S. and be like, "There's something, you know." there's something wrong with with american there's something about american society that produces a particular odd very rare disorder but it really only seems to exist in america which is this sudden urge to uh, rampage kill and kill like yeah. a bunch of random people like yeah. like if you wanted to you could absolutely uh if if your linguistic system allowed that you could absolutely identify that as a mental illness right and people out there who are in the business, and you're like, wait a second, the DSM doesn't have that in there. That's blah blah blah. You know, uh, understand that the DSM. Okay, anyone who's in the field understands that the DSM has changed yeah. every time it comes out. Right. So at there, there were times when they said being gay was pathological, was a was a mental right. illness. If you were gay. If you were homosexual, you, cured. you had a mental illness on the level of bipolar, depression, right. panic, schizophrenia. It was all the same. Okay. Today, no one thinks that, and it's not in the DSM. Mm-hmm. Okay, Or very few people think that, let's put it that way. So, by its nature, just on that one alone, you have to say, it's a cultural... It, it, culture changes and our definition of mental illness changes. Well, it's the same with all the other disorders, you know. Uh, yeah, the
1: DSM is not flawless like the Bible.
0: Well, and you know, flawless is is not the right word. It's 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 not it's a ling, it's a linguistic system that's trying to describe something that's extremely amorphous. Yeah. And something that is all based on observation of, you know, humans observing humans. Yeah, biased observation. Yeah. Yeah. The blind looking at the blind. Defining blindness, you know, it's a a thing. Now, that doesn't discredit it. It doesn't mean that the DSM is is pointless. It just means all of that needs to be taken into consideration as we look at it and we look at things that are not in it. Like psychopathy, for instance, that is not in the DSM. Yeah most people understand that psychopathy is a thing and it's not the same as what is in the DSM, which is antisocial personality disorder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's overlap, but it's different. So, uh, why isn't it in the DSM? Because the effing authors decided not to put it in, not because psychopathy isn't a thing. Right. It's just the authors just decided <laughs> it wasn't going in. It's just that simple. Cause there's psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. um, now, uh, Western culture, culture-bound sy- syndromes, um, eating disorders is actually one of them. Oh, yeah. It is almost non-existent outside of Western society.
1: It's really hard to imagine, especially in cultures where food is very limited, that you would have the time or the abundance to develop problems around, around how much you're eating, <laughs>
0: Well, so that's one hypothesis. Another hypothesis is the messages that we give people around bodies, you know, that in other societies, there's just different messages,
1: right? I I, I suppose you're right on that for sure. At the same time, certainly, you know, at at the very least, U.S. values through movies get promulgated worldwide. So as Hollywood
0: infests the rest of the world Mm – uh, eating disorders have started to begin in these other cultures. I see. Um, so Western cultures in Japan, I should say. So for whatever reason, Japan and Western societies, uh, eating disorders are, you know, very prevalent. Right. Uh, outside of that, not so much. But there's a difference between Japan and the United States, you know, that is regarding body dysmorphia, eating disorders.
1: Um, is it the split among the gender? Or gender split? or uh, It has
0: to do with that kind of.
1: Okay. Well, let me see. I, I, I have a feeling that more men have an issue in Japan than percentage-wise. In... Uh, yeah, because men are supposed to be slight in yeah. Japan, right?
0: Um, it's, it's the opposite. It's um, that in Japan, they don't care about muscly men. Okay. Like, if you want to be a, a cool dude in Japan— uh, you don't get big muscles. Like okay. that is not. It's like, gross. Or like, why? Okay, <laughs> you know, in America, if you look at any any of the good actors, any of the good guy actors, hunks, they 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 instantly start taking steroids and they become these mammoth. Just <laughs> you know, the guy, uh, the guy who plays Superman. Right. I mean, he he ballooned. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I mean, by the he is like he's like a bodybuilder
1: essentially. Right. Thor, <laughs> all those guys.
0: Yeah, the, you know the 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 amount of work that goes into making those bodies is incredible. I mean, let alone their acting ability. Yeah, but the ability for them to build that body,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I don't think people understand how hard it is. You know, just look around. There's guys in gyms working out right. all the time, and they don't look. And it doesn't. has a little bit to do with genetics, but it has most to do with this
1: discipline and discipline. brutal Di- red, red. Yeah. No, I've I've watched a lot of um, videos on YouTube uh, from the various different stars talking about their uh, regimes, their diet and exercise, and the, there's several commonalities. Usually, almost every one of them mentions uh, broccoli and plain chicken. <laughs> right. And. Uh, almost all of them mention eating constantly throughout the day, right. nonstop, and almost all of them mention several hours every single day right. in the gym. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're you're in the gym working out for four hours a
0: day, yeah. and and that's not like hanging out for you nope. know you're you're. With
1: trainers and yeah. stuff, and
0: you're you're hitting the, you're hitting on one day. It's a lot of leg work, you know. Yeah. And it's a it's reps and it's different machines. And another day, you
1: know. <laughs> so Mark Wahlberg, right? Because I always think, oh, Marky Mark, he must be a party animal, and he probably was, right? But he talks about his regimen. He wakes up at three a.m. every morning, three a.m. in the morning. He goes to bed at seven, wakes up at three, right? And the first thing he does is he hits the gym. And does like a huge workout, right. and then after that's done, he goes and plays golf all morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what this ends up producing in Western society, particularly in the United States, is a lot of men who have body dysmorphia around muscles, uh-huh. and it's and it's and it's of disorder type, right? It's not just like. Oh, I wish I was bigger. Oh, I have low self esteem. No. You know, if you've ever experienced someone with anorexia before, they are rail thin. Yeah. Right? They are their bones are sticking out and they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I'm fat. Yeah. And they believe it. It's a it's a semi delusional belief system body dysmorphia.
1: I, I have met I think three people in my life that had um either bulimia or anorexia and and they and it was really shocking one of them was in high school and they they when i knew them uh i didn't know what it was but i always was like why does that person look so odd and so skinny and then i later found out what it was and i remember her friends talking about how she would believe that she was so fat and all these things right uh and then there's people i've known as an adult that i yeah, I'm like, wow, that person is in either great shape or starting to look a little bony, and yet they're always going on about what a pig they are. Right, and so and sometimes
0: people who have eating disorders don't look thin. So, uh, so there's you're talking about a specific class yeah. of eating disorders, but but the um, there's a, there has been an emerging thing over the last several decades of men who have the exact level of dysfunction and semi delusion around not being big enough
1: muscles yeah and so they'll take supplements and steroids and and they'll bull hormones and, and
0: they'll ruin their lives and they right. won't hang out with friends because they need to work out and they feel terrible about themselves because they didn't do right. you know five hours of of late weight weight lifting that day late late lifting as i like to call it <laughs> um so so that's so that's something that From the outside of Western culture, they'd be like, oh, isn't it interesting that in this culture they have this thing called uh, – they even have, like, funny words for it, like muscle dysmorphia or um,
1: manorexia, they'll call it. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. What about the um, the super overweight, like, morbidly obese people that have – they cross the 500, 800, 900 pounds, bedridden. They have to cut right. out walls. So so if you
0: wanted to, you could propose to the DSM, or just invent your own disorder, I suppose,
1: uh-huh. of eating in the face of consequences, right? Which, again, I don't know around the world, but it doesn't seem like it's in every culture. Um, it – oh, being. Every culture has a percentage
0: of people who are overweight. It's just that overweight, it, sure. Western cultures, it's more. And the cultures who uh, are not as obese as America are catching up to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm going I'm, I'm And there's going also to some extremes. Pacific
0: Islanders who, who have uh, even worse obese problems. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, could, you could define that. And then you could say, well, in Western culture, it's, it's particular to that. Yeah. I see. <clears throat> okay, the last one here is hysteria as it was defined in the, album? the 1800s and early 1900s. Symptoms. Okay, listen to these symptoms. Con- conversions, you know, like psychogenic paralysis or blindness or deafness. Various somatic complaints, like feeling pain somewhere. Psychogenic numbness in part of the body. Tremors, muscle spasms, irritability, being bothersome to other people. Vomiting, hiccuping, anxiety, depression, excessive sexual desire, erotic fantasies. Wetness between the leg, I guess. Wait, is this what
1: they would call, like, oh, women have women go into hysterics and they would need to have their uh, they they give them laudanum and the magic wand and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this
0: is early psychiatry, so people had different ideas about what it was, and there was, of course, you know, little research beyond case studies at this point, but um, hallucinations, fluid retention. Uh, wetness between the legs I like that feelings of heaviness in the lower abdomen which sounds like you have to go number two multiple multiple personalities fugue state sleepwalking amnesia so again this is western society where they're like we have this thing where and, and hysteria was a known psychiatric condition from you know the mid 1800s until the mid 1900s it was wow. a, it was a strong diagnosis we don't say it anymore at all but it and, th- and when I list all those symptoms, it's like, it's everything. Depression and anxiety are in there yeah. a- as one of 25
1: symptoms. Oh, uh, so maybe they just like grouped a ton of stuff and called it hysteria?
0: That's one way of looking at it. Um, Another way of looking at it is that uh, <laughs> at the time, there was you know something in the air that was being socially constructed in which uh, people would – psychogenically produce these, this symptom cluster. I see. Because there were conversions in there, too, where you would go blind or deaf or numb or something, you know? and Or was it a medical problem that they were suffering from? Yeah, you know, was it just,
1: some virus we don't know of? Right.
0: It's hard to know.
1: Okay. So... I do imagine, you know, like a doctor in the 1600s or something, first patient comes in, you know, examines them for like half an hour at the end. It's like... In my professional opinion, I think you have hysteria. Yeah. Next patient, same thing. Next patient, same thing. Right. All day long. Hysteria, hysteria.
0: And we do that now. Yeah. Uh, Autism is one of those words. Oh, sure. ADHD is one of those words. Um, Irritable bowel syndrome. Right. Uh, I think Crohn's disease, if I'm not mistaken, has- We've
1: just broadened, but we still have the catch-alls. Right. Um, Okay. So, Birdo. Why do we have different syndromes in different cultures? Um, well, I can definitely see uh, the role, as we were talking about several of these, that uh, cultural boundaries, cultural uh, cultural anxieties, uh, uh, belief systems, superstitions, uh, a lot of these can play a role in triggering the, or, or at least setting up the environment that could trigger some of these things. And those aren't universals you know those aren't like not every culture believes in the same set of things and whatnot right um and also uh different cultures are at different levels of advancement especially in you know a few hundred years ago but even nowadays there's a dramatic difference in in uh advancement technologically and otherwise between the first world and the third world and so there's uh, there's pluses and minuses in both directions. So, in one case, we have too much abundance, too much free time, too much random entertainment at all times. And in the other case, you have too much, too little, too little food, too little information, too little exposure to more in- things, you know. Right. Uh, and along those lines, if
0: you are uh, of a routine of minor survival shall we say yeah and you have a job to do in your community every minute of the day it takes you out of yourself and you can't really get anxious because you, you, you got a job to do and you're yeah. not you're not thinking about that random heart murmur you have right. or um, and or you believe in an afterlife very heavily and so you don't really worry about death um, right so along those lines, uh, a list I came up with: Different cultures even think about the self differently. They think about personality differently, mm. and therefore, not only will it the self manifest in individuals differently, but assessors will look at it differently. You know, also cultural concepts regarding the nature and causes of illness. You know, if, if you believe that someone can steal your penis with a thought, and it's very real to you, then that could happen to you. You, right. could, have, you could have a psychogenic be- belief system that will lead to an unconscious semi-delusion. Right. Whereas if you don't have that belief system, then that'll never happen.
1: Or or in the case where you believe that there are such things as curses, that someone can actually curse you, right. and that that could take effect.
0: Right. Uh, the, th- the The situation in Western culture is... We used to see a lot more conversions than we do now. So 100 years ago, there was a lot more psychogenic blindness, numbness, paralysis, as opposed to today. That's, it happens, but it's very rare in Western society. It's very rare for uh, someone to psychogenically become paralyzed, whereas 100 years ago, it was so common, it was something that was frequently talked about and incorporated in hysteria.
1: So, I just realized something that um, has been happening in part of my family over the last like decade or so. And uh, it's there are some members of some part of my family that are extremely religious and they believe, but they're in that weird it's not like they just don't believe, they don't just believe in like the Christian faith, they believe in the very superstitious kind of mystical version of it, right? And so there are demons constantly doing battle. There's uh, there's definitely witches. There's hexes you can put on people, curses, all these things. And so what's happened in the last, like I said, decade is there started to be this thing where one of them accused, like, uh, you know, the other person of having cursed their part of the family. And so then they don't talk for years and then there's all this drama of like, oh no no no. And then the other one will accuse the other. And then meaning been, that they're like, my life was shitty for a couple
0: of months, and that's because Aunt Jane cursed me.
1: Yeah, like, and and that like they went to a, a witch or a shaman, and they they literally put a hex on our part of the family, uh-huh. and that's why all these bad things have happened. And That's why we don't want to associate with that person. Wow! And and so I've been, you know, and I see my family through little windows of time when I go on vacation. And I'll be and I'm like, hey, how's such and such? Oh, yeah, that's the problem. And then I'll see get, that like, voodoo doll over there. That's yeah. that's, that's Aunt
0: Jenny. We right. we we now you have to stick something in here when you're walking. Through right, your room. <laughs>
1: and it's so bad that that sort of recently one of one person in the family developed uh, health uh, problems, and there's at least a few members that believe it's because of their affiliations with the dark arts or whatever. Yeah.
0: Now, we're making fun of it, or I'm making fun of it. People can believe whatever they want to believe unless a belief system is ultimately detrimental. And I think ultimately a belief system like that, based on your description anyway, is detrimental because
1: it's like... It has done a lot of damage to the family.
0: Right. If you believe that ill will from another human being can you know literally ruin your life and and you believe that your the string of bad luck you had was because of ill will from another person then you're completely justified in hating that person or even like trying to physically hurt them yeah. you know anyway
1: this is why i actually never start from the position that everyone is entitled to their own opinion yeah i actually i i i now start from the position of Hey, like FYI, all of us, technically speaking, we're entitled to believe whatever, but just be aware, all of us, that in many cases, as soon as we start believing very dogmatic things, odds are you're going to infringe on other people. Right. Yeah. It, there are
0: respected people in the science community who have come to that same conclusion because like, for instance, with vaccines, for example. Yeah. Which is an easy one to kind of attack, but it's like, well, no. So let's let's go further afield. Let's say like someone who believes in um in homeopathy or something. Okay. So you know what's the harm, right? Because it's just sugar pills. You know, right. if you believe in homeopathy, then you believe that this this pill can help you in some way. If you don't believe in homeopathy, then you're watching someone take a useless sugar pill. Right now, there's actually. Cases where they actually do put harmful things in those pills, but let's assume. For but let's this, assume yeah. you know most of them are just like you know physically inert. Yeah. Um. Well, what the what these scientists have concluded is that if we allow that belief system to go unchecked, at the very least, it it propagates an anti-science, anti-evidence yeah. mindset that can blossom into anti-vaccination Yeah. where you, when that that person is looking at homeopathy and they're like, I don't care about the science. Right. I just care about anecdote. S- scientists can go to hell. Anecdote, yay. Yay. And particular anecdotes from particular people who are incidentally trying to get Sell lots me. of millions. <laughs> homeopathy is a very lucrative. <laughs> Billions of dollars come in from homeopathy. Right. Okay, so the marketers, of course, have a reason to try to sell you that. So then, that mindset, you know. So vaccination, you know what? Vaccinations feel wrong to me, right? Because I have to take my, you know, eighteenth month old child into mm-hmm. the doctor to be traumatized by these needles. The baby's crying. There's blood, you know. Sometimes, and and you're putting what in my baby, my right. pristine, perfect right. baby's body.
1: He's not sick. Why are you? Yeah.
0: And for a month, he was acting a little funny and like that, this is not right. You know, a mother knows best, right? Anecdote knows best. Science can go to hell. And then now you have people with polio and like... Measles. Measles and like people are having, you know, kids are dying and stuff and, and, um, you know, you have the flat earthers. Okay, so the flat earther thing, same thing, right? Right. It's like, well, what's the harm, right? They, you know, who cares? They, And, probably the flat Earth thing, the only thing that's going to happen is some guy's going to get in a rocket and crash, and he's going to die. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I heard that his rocket trip got delayed, you know what I mean? Which I'm guessing he's just like, I never intended on actually <laughs> putting myself in a stupid <laughs> rocket. But anyway, um, <laughs> which I just find to be just like one of the dumbest things. It's like, you realize there are other ways, you know what I mean? Like, Like, you could... You could use a balloon, for example. You know what I mean. That's
1: right. Or, proven. Yeah. Proven. Me- oh, but it's proven by the conspiracy. By the. <laughs> or like, uh, put a just
0: put a camera on a balloon and like, yeah, you know, I just you don't have to launch yourself in a rocket.
1: The problem with the camera is that uh, the waves get intercepted by the governments and they get changed. The magnetic signals get changed, and so you know. Well, you can't, I thought their uh,
0: conspiracy part was like. All those pictures, event you know, the government gets and changes them. Oh, but, totally, yeah. But if you put like your own GoPro and like launch it into the sky, anyway.
1: I just, I, I am a member of the Flat Earth Society on Facebook, <laughs> and I, I often, you know, just it's so funny to watch. But I, I like to believe that ninety percent of them are just trolling. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah, but 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 a
0: good percentage or not? I mean, yeah.
1: I was, um, I
0: won't even tell you who it was because you you would know the person is i was with a friend of mine mm-hmm. and we were hanging out with one of his friends and we were just chatting and we we're like oh, <laughs> a flatter thing or whatever and he's like well have you looked into them? yeah he's like hey <laughs> and this guy was he's a smart cat right, you right. know and like hip yeah. seattle young right probably educated i'm guessing hanging out with other educated, yeah. you know, blah, blah. blah. And, he, and he's like, well, you know, I saw this thing. Right. And he kind of starts to talk about it. And he wasn't like a kook about it. He wasn't like everyone's, it's like a massive conspiracy, right. but, but he was like, you know, It, sounded, it just makes you think. It had think. some, had some things in there, yeah. you know, those anti-science ideas, like, you know, this is the broader point of your saying of like, there are consequences to that, so if you believe in a system of cursing other human beings, on its surface, you're just like, well, you know, it's a belief system. But if it leads to society breaking down and relationships falling apart and people Mm -hmm. being potentially harmed because it's believed that they curse someone else because of it or something, it's like, um,
1: you know, should we not look a little bit more closely at this one, you know? Anyway. There's things that... um, if you just cannot physically run into it in your daily life or even if you go out of your way to, uh, we as humans don't actually have the capacity to believe uh, um, instinctually on certain levels. So, for example, if imagine you rewind the clock to when electricity was becoming a thing and you live in the middle of nowhere. You, know, you light your little torch at night, your little fire, and someone's like, oh my gosh, I was in New York and – they had these light bulbs and it was illuminating the city at night and it wasn't even, there was no torch, there was no fire or whatever. Which I wrong this invisible it. force. This invisible force. I mean, you probably wouldn't believe it, right? And right. you'd be like, well, if you saw that, they were fooling you in some way. And you might even develop a conspiracy about it, like, that's the northerners or whatever. you know." <laughs> but at some point, your kids maybe get electricity and then... Whether they believe it's a ghost or not, it's a thing. They turn on the f- switch, something happens. But with the circular, the globe Earth, ha- a human can't physically feel it, experience it, right? Without maybe, like, seriously going up in a rocket. yeah. Well, <laughs> but the – and, you know,
0: right. So it's, that's why it's, it, it's seen a resurgence because yeah. – when it came out, I actually did a mental exercise really quick in my mind. And I said, if I had to convince a flat earther right. that the earth was round, spherical, what would I say? You right. know, like, what, what is this? Because to me, it's like such an obvious thing. Yeah. But I was like, what would I say? And I, and I was like, I was having trouble coming up with something. One, because I hadn't prepared for it, you know, and, and I don't do that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, it tur- I did a little bit more, kind of looking at a couple articles in terms of what points you might be able to say, and I was like, "Oh yeah, duh! Of course you could say that." You know, there's, sure. th- there's, there's. I could probably list literally 300 things, right? You know I mean? But the and, thing and is, none of them would sadly work. But <laughs> well, but at least they'd be like, it, you know, because what a lot of what I did initially, what I did the mental exercise at first, I was like. Well, it's just obvious.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I did that with, with oceans. Um, I saw this thing about maps, ancient, ancient maps. And in one version, or as many versions, they had a ring of water as the border. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's just silly. Because they didn't even think... Not only did they not think that the the whole thing connected, but they didn't think it went very far. Well,
0: it, no, they knew the thing was connected. They just, They just... From my understanding of those historical, so you're talking like 1600s, 1500s maps. Yeah, right? yeah. No, they knew the Earth was round. They no, just, they sorry. just, they would, they would do that, um, see because no, no, sorry, this is like 1300s. Well, still, and and, and they, 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 map makers knew the Earth was round. They just didn't know how round, or they didn't, they just there were edges of their knowledge, and so they would just fill it in with a because they're just like, well, we don't really know what's out there.
1: Well, like, so in these, in these maps the the design of it was in in four quadrants and there was a there was a center of the world and the center of the world was like i think it was in jerusalem right okay. and then you had like uh europe was like the two left ones i think and then the bottom right was like africa and the top right was like asia or something like that and then it was all surrounded by a thing ring of water a thin ring of water but they what they were explaining was that they didn't think the the ocean went that far compared to land. They thought the majority of the world was land. Right. And and I did the same thing at first. I was like, but that's just so silly. But then I, I, of course, quickly realized, wait, what do you mean that's silly? If you live at the edge of uh, like a, at a beach, you can't see. I mean, you see water and then yeah. you don't see beyond that. Yeah, And you're never going to take a boat. Well, and they did. Very they, far. There know? were, you know, there were expeditions and they were like, there's nothing out there. Yeah, like one guy. Yeah. Like one guy that you never heard of in your life. Neither, neither did your parents nor your grandparents. Yeah. There's no books, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, I,
0: so when, yeah, we have to reflect on belief systems in terms of how they affect society. Um, and, and evaluate them as such. Anyway, so other reasons are for for uh, cultural bounce syndromes are cultural stressors, you know, like if a particular society has high marginalization of a particular group or of the majority of the population or high war stress or something, yeah. then you're going to see a bump in psychiatric symptoms. And if you don't see it the way we do, which is PTSD and dissociation, then you're going to language it in the way that you see, you know, attack of the nerves and that kind of stuff.
1: Uh, Revenge of the nerves. So, for example, in uh, those uh, Uganda and other countries where you had these child armies that mass murdered and ate flesh and all these things, um, can you imagine the survivors nowadays that are older? They must have all sorts of trauma, and maybe you can label it the usual ways, maybe you can't. And because none of us, no one we know, ever had and hopefully will experience anything of that nature. Right. You know, even in Colombia, which was violent stuff, like not even there. You know, this was an extreme, extreme.
0: Right. Like, so the bottom line is this that we are very squishy creatures in terms of our psychology. Our brains are very large, and we're constantly observing and interpreting and learning and taking it in and, and putting it into language and listening and, and trying to fit in. And so we're, we're picking up on a lot from society. You know, the, the thing that I like to tell people is, at what point did you learn your native tongue? Mm-hmm. No one knows. It, it just, it emerged, and no one even really taught you. You just heard them talking, and and slowly over time, you just started to talk like them. Right, and and at, and at some point, you were like, "Oh, syntax, I get it." Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's it's the same way, and that's very explicit because there's a very kind of obvious difference in terms of language acquisition. Think about all the subtle cues you get around yeah. like what crazy means and what stress means and what you do when you're angry and what you do. You know, these are very subtle things that you pick up. Also, there's a biological reality to this in terms of all humans have a nervous system. And so the manifestations of abnormal conditions, shall we say, is limited to the physical reality that the brain and the nervous system Mm -hmm. and the body, you know, exists. It's not like one culture has a mental disorder in which people explode spontaneously because it's just just not physically possible. What we see are different variations of kind of similar things, you know. Memory problems, uh, crying a lot, violence, outbursts of emotion, um, believing something bad has happened to you, feeling threatened, being afraid, um, you know, but different cultures will right. will kind of language it differently, you know, it'll, it'll manifest differently because you are taught a different sort of thing, you know, like... Like in a hundred years ago or 150 years ago, for women, it was acceptable for women to to faint. You know what I mean? Mm. And so um, you could imagine that. Uh, and it was like, uh, it was like if you wanted to be feminine, when, when, <gasps> oh. when something uh, among certain circles, I'm guessing, yeah. when something bad happened, it was almost kind of sexy in a way. Yeah. You know, very. It's like wow, you really proved your feminine cred by fainting when that. When the news came down that <laughs> that the war had started, you know right. what I mean, and so it, those get under your skin, and and because we're squishy beings, and we're not t- fully in control of the major, we're not in control of the majority of our brain, then you know these weird things will manifest differently, given the things that we've learned, and given the things that we've that we've uh, picked up on. Also, we have a. Um, we language things differently and we see mental health differently and that all interacts with all this as well. So, um, as a result across the globe among different cultures in different times, you're going to see different constellations of symptoms in different prevalence rates. And you're also going to see different ways of describing all these things. Right. And so it gets very messy. Very quick. Yeah. And that's the beauty of, of my field, is that I will never know it all, and there will always be another episode of this podcast to make. Yeah. <laughs> Infinite. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself, all of you wonderful patrons, because... You deserve it.